So according to a gifted astrologer, Barbara Hancloud, unique understanding of Kundalini awakening is when there is a transit of Uranus, it is opposing the placement of Uranus in your birth chart. For instance, if your Uranus is one degree Leo when you are born, when it moves into one degree Aquarius in your chart, that is direct opposition. And she's going to outline the signs of Kundalini awakening and how to use it for our greatest potential. And um, we're very, very excited. And I want to mention before you start that, see how it says astrology? Barbara is going to be one of our speakers, our seven gifted astrologers that's going to be in our seven-week cosmic awakening with astrology program that Shima Moore is going to be co-producing with us. So guys i want you to be prepared for this it's going to be announced very soon i just want to say one more thing about barbara she's also a fiction writer she's an amazing astrologer she just wrote a trilogy of fiction books i actually just came across someone was reading it barbara and couldn't put it down these are um the last book was called revelations from the source is that right that's right and it's a character development as it's intertwined with astrology and spiritual awakening and the human drama there's so much she puts so much into this this is it should be a movie everybody's saying and and maybe it will be i hope so <laughs> thank you Helen. Well, thanks great to see you again and um, um do you have, well jump in wherever you want to you want to go ahead you're it's all yours so first of all just to make sure people know what we're talking about when yes. you have uranus in one degree leo yes. And then um, Uranus comes to one degree Aquarius. That's a transit to your chart. And I think most of the people um, who watch this, this program um, understand transits, Mercury transits, Venus transits, et cetera. But just to, to clarify what that is. But that also takes how many years? So it's like when you're a certain age? Um, when, when, yeah. Well, the difficulty with Uranus transits is that Uranus's orbit is slightly elliptical. <clears throat> and so... You can get a Uranus opposition at age 38 or up to age 44. Like right now, people who are getting their Uranus oppositions right now are generally speaking uh, 43 to 44 years old. So they're getting a late Uranus opposition. And then um, my group of people and Alan's group of people, um, we got our Uranus oppositions when we were only 38 years old, mm. which is very a very transformative experience. One, just one of many reasons why the, the boomer generation was such a uh, revolutionary group of people. Now, wh- why does Uranus opposition to its Uranus uh, natal chart create this activation within the physical body? Yeah. Well, this is the key question, Um, because before this, now this astrology and the rising of Kundalini was first published um, as the liquid light of sex, Um, kind of a wonderful title that attracted a lot of attention. And this is now um, 31 or 32 years ago when that book came out. And the way the book happened was that before not the 1990s, like back in the 1970s and 1980s, um, I was involved in all kinds of spiritual adventures and got to know a lot of gurus and got to know a lot of meditators. And generally speaking, until my book came out, um, people were attempting to trigger Kundalini at any age, like 20 years old, 15 years old, whatever. And then what we were seeing before my book came out, and it's still seen to some extent, although not nearly as, as uh, extensively, we were seeing lots of spiritual emergencies. 
because when Kundalini rises too quickly and when our body and our emotions and our men men mental state is not prepared for Kundalini, people can go in, into spiritual emergency, which can involve all kinds of shaking and all kinds of kriyas. And it can involve sometimes, unfortunately, heart problems. Um, a lot of men um, are in danger to some extent of a heart attack right when Uranus opposition actually occurs. So to back, to back up a little bit, I became very, in the 1980s, I became very concerned about what was going on with Eastern spiritual uh, practices uh, coming to the United States and coming to Europe because people were not really in a culture and they were not really psychologically prepared for Kundalini rising when they were young. And so I started out advising people to just wait until they were ready. But meanwhile, I also was a reading astrologer and had a lot of clients. And in the basically the 1980s, I was noticing definite signs of Kundalini energy rising when people were having their Uranus opposition. In fact, I would often see that people would, would be hit by a spiritual emergency literally the very day of the Uranus transit. And of course, this Uranus transit goes on over a period of 18 months because Uranus goes over the opposition point then it retrogrades back, then it comes forward again. So this is not just a one-time event. It's like about usually about a year and a half. And so once I started noticing that, I started I started watching like, what's going on here? This is definitely whatever this is. This is being triggered by the Uranus opposition transit. And so once I spotted that, then it became very clear what was going on because people would come into me and they would say that they had extreme heat in their spine. They would say a lot of people um, had um, like stiffness and sometimes almost semi-paralysis because Uranus opposition and Kundalini rising is a really interesting phenomenon. And now here I am 30 years later uh, with a lot of, obviously have a lot of thought that I put into this. In fact, I'm going to um, revise this book again and add more material because I think this is so important. But what I've noticed over these 30 years after this paradigm came in through liquid light of sex, what I've noticed is that when people understand at Uranus opposition what is actually going on, when, when they're given some, some uh, instructions or, or if they read astrology and the rising of Kundalini, what happens to them is very interesting. For some strange reason, and I can't figure out how it could be, but it seems to be true, when people comprehend mentally what's happening with Kundalini rising, then they have a reason. Because it's a form of semi-insanity. I mean, the first experiences any of us have with Kundalini rising are close to being wacko crazy, because that's just how Kundalini energy is until we learn how to channel it until we learn how to be comfortable with it until and most importantly until we learn how to use it for rejuvenation because that's what kundalini rising is all about so before we get to that point where we know how to use the energy we feel crazy and so most people when they get an explanation for why they feel crazy and when they get some explanation for the timing and be the best thing 
with astrologers. Astrologers, the best thing we do is we tell people when a transit's over. And so people start to realize like, oh God, this is gonna go on for another eight months, but it's finally gonna be over with, which it will be. It will, fin it will finish itself. That hot, juicy electrical charging at Uranus opposition is where the real difficulty and tension comes in, you know. So Barbara, uh, Barbara, then what do you suggest then? I mean, and, and, and looking at people's charts and we're moving into a new time. And I have to say, Barbara is the founder of Barron Company, one of the first really devoted spiritual uh, book publishers that have had a huge influence on our emerging culture, um, Joan. So, uh, but what's going on now? We're moving into a new time and the energies of the planet are different. And how do we play with this? It's, it's time for welcoming Kundalini, I think, into the collective. That's why we're doing this. But how do we, how do we proceed? That's my question. In this way. Well, you know, the first question for me, Alan, after I got the work in, in Joan, the, the, the first real question for me was, well, maybe it's just our generation. I mean, you and me, Alan, and, and probably Joan. And, and maybe the next generation won't have the same thing going on. Well, boy, that turned out to be wrong. The, net, the generation, first of all, one of my daughter is going through it right now. And she's going, even though she knows a lot and she's being coached beautifully, she's just going through all kinds of stuff and she can't believe the power of it. So I've been watching my daughter and then another young client of mine that I've been working with for 40 years. And I've been watching the two of them very carefully, you know, because it's great because I can observe them. And I think it's even more intense for them than it was for me. That's my impression at this point. And so when I go back to when I had Kundalini rising, which was when I was in graduate school, I shook my way all the way through graduate school. There are people, I, I run into people who used to be in my class and they say like you, were really weird. And I said, yeah, I was really weird. I was really weird. And so in my case, I literally just, I was earthquaking all the way through graduate school. And so now, as far as I can tell, the one thing I would say about Kundalini rising for those who are around 43, 44, because of sexual liberation, and because of so much of a liberal tendency within the sexual mores of our culture right now, some of the people who are having it now are having difficulty distinguishing between sexual energy and kundalini energy. And that is, is of course, some people are going to just work that out by having sex and doing different things, which is perfectly okay. But I would say that understanding mentally better what really goes on with kundalini energy, then the kundalini energy is going to awaken and rejuvenate all of the chakras and not just the lower chakras. Mm. And so the real goal of kundalini rising, especially at midlife crisis, is to get that energy to move right from the lower chakras. And by the way, in my system, in a book called Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, because I've written a lot of books, the first dimension in my system is the iron core crystal in the center of the earth. And then the energy from the iron core crystal is what is what rejuvenates all of it. It's like the source of life 
for all beings who incarnate on the planet Earth. And so the energy is coming from this really deep place right in the center of the Earth. And that's called in my system, that's called the first dimension. And so the first dimension, according to my research, is in vibratory resonance and contact with all of the centers of all of the other entities in the universe. So the iron core crystal in the center of our planet is vibrating with the moon, vibrating with the planets, vibrating with stars and supernovas and galaxies and, and centers in the universe. And therefore, the iron core crystal, the first dimension that we get in touch with through our bodies, it's like the Akashic records and it's like the records of all time and it actually puts us in touch with everything in the universe. Now, that's not an easy thing to adjust to. You know, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, of Alan's wonderful book on contact and what happens for people when they get in touch with beings in other dimensions. Mm -hmm. So then the energy comes into the root chakra and into the sexual center. And then, of course, what happens is there's issues with what, how, how each person is going to handle that. And then hopefully the energy rises through the sexual center and creates a great deal of life force and consciousness for us. And then it moves into the solar plexus. And when the energy moves into the solar plexus, then we start dealing with deep emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And so this mental ability to understand what's actually happening makes it easier to handle the energy that comes to the solar plexus. Because if you don't understand that it's a solar plexus awakening, what usually happens is all kinds of crazy things go on all around you. The energy from within you tends to be projected out into your environment and into people you're in business with and people and partners and all kinds of things. And the more that you can understand that it's your energy that's activating and it's there to teach you. And this of course is a very Plutonic experience also, of course. Mm -hmm. Then the energy, if it can move through the complexes and the you know polarization and duality in the solar plexus, then the energy starts to move into the heart and the, the fourth chakra. And when the energy moves into the heart at Uranus opposition and with anybody experiencing Kundalini energy, um, I don't have to tell either one of you what a wonderful experience that is. Because at that point, then we really start expanding our total beingness um, and consciousness in, in our bodies. Then, of course, the energy moves up to the throat chakra. And, gen and then up, of course, through the higher chakras, and we'll go into those if we need to. But as a generalization, men tend to be blocked in the heart chakra because they've been blocked emotionally as children more than girls usually are. Now, that fortunately is changing. That was uh, the Victorian era. Thank God that's gone. But <laughs> women tend to be blocked more in the throat chakra because they felt like they couldn't speak. And so at this point with these two chakras for people who are counseling astrologers and are using astrology and kundalini, helping people with the difference between those two issues. And of course, I covered that in my book. So One thing I saw in your book, Farber, that I just wanted to ask you about, which really struck me, you said that in the throat chakra, we're suffering from, from patriarchal authority. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I found that that really struck me really deep. And you were just talking about, you know, the male energy too. Like yeah. that. So, um, and I'm fascinated about how the astrology then can correlate to each of these chakras and working with this energy. So can you talk about that a little more? Because for women really being able to rise our own energy and, and, and pull out that authority. Yeah. yeah. Well, usually, Joan, um, the most common symptom with throat chakra blockage in men or women, but especially women, is that they get an incredibly stiff neck. And at that point, they go off to the, the masseuse or the chiropractor or whoever. And I've noticed with problems with stick, stiff neck, because it's so annoying, um, I've noticed just like with Kundalini rising in general, when they get a reason for the stiff neck, miraculously, it goes away. You know, in, in the old in the old Greek mythology and in, in early um, like Minoan cultures and all that, there was always this phenomenon called a wryneck, which is a very interesting word because a wryneck is some kind of bird of some sort, but the wryneck um, is it is also used to connote a blocked neck and a blocked throat. And the, the interesting thing about that, and this is what happened to me with Uranus opposition, of course, is once my neck got completely freed up, I never got a stiff neck, but once um, my, you know, I, I totally unlocked the throat chakra, what do you think I started doing? Channeling, naturally, because the energy is gonna come through and you're gonna be able to receive messages through the throat chakra. So, Throat chakra is really the uh, governor of, of the ability to, you know, to be in touch with uh, energies in other dimensions. Well, that's it's really interesting, isn't it? And then third eye opens up and people see more. And at that point in this crazy culture that we live in, they really, I, I really love encouraging people to value the ability to see because, because it's an incredible skill, very, mm-hmm. very useful skill for living in life. And then, of course, we go up into the crown and higher chakras. Now, this is a beautiful cosmology of, of the process of awakening. And, you know, a couple of questions come up for me because you said kundalini can be confused with sexual energy, but isn't the sexual energy sort of part of the kundalini? How would you tell the difference? And, and it seems like it's mixed together in that kind of certain way as it comes up through the chakras right it's going to activate the sexual energy and that's like our core energy so yeah how do we not indulge i guess something well like with sexual issues always um integrity and honesty and all those things are are very you you know our culture is way downplaying the need for the for for integrity and honesty in sexuality because the reason it's it's important is a lot more than people think. Sexuality is your your easiest way to achieve higher dimensionality. Um, and so, if you've been able to cultivate a really loving relationship with partner um, for many many years, then what happens is the sexual energy of the, the Kundalini rising is part of of a loving relationship. And so. You know, then what happens is there, there's a linkage with the heart, and you're not going to have as much problem, many problems with, you know, because relationships are really the toughest thing that we do. 
Like I've been married for 50 years now. Wow. And I would say that it was only in about the 42nd or 43rd year where we were free, the two of us, of all of the stuff that can mess you up, um, you know, mixed up parental issues, all of, uh, we could talk about so many things. But really, you know, sexuality is such a source of health and energy and connection to other dimensions that being clear what's happening during Uranus opposition. Um, and I've seen quite a few people um, really get really screwed up right there, <laughs> literally. Um, and, and all it does, it's okay. They, they make it through. I find usually by the third hit, they figure it out and they make it through. But it just makes it harder. And I'm really into doing things the easy way, <laughs> whenever it's possible. Well, well, what happens when this Uranus opposition hits then? And people, so, you know, in your book, I know you say it's almost like going through menopause for some women and besides the midlife crisis. So like what actually will happen? Well, okay, first of all, you know the symptoms of spiritual emergency, you know, heat in the spine and, and heart um, tension, all the different, and the best book on that is a book called Kundalini or Psychosis, and it's by Lee Sinella. It's by far the best book. I've got a dog-eared copy I've had for 50, 60 years. And so what happens is people, first of all, emotionally, people feel, people feel crazy. Um, then physically, people feel frantic and they feel um, like, you know, like driven. They feel like they're in a corner. They, they just feel all kinds of frantic emotions because the energy that's coming through you and through into your body is activating so many parts of you that have been dormant that it's just like you just feel crazy until you get used to it. But mm -hmm. thankfully... When people, and you know, in the old old days, or still probably in Eastern cultures, people have to have a guru or a counselor or a guide when they're going through kundalini issues because it's so complicated. But I actually have found in Western culture that just understanding the paradigm solves a huge part of the problem for people. You know, it's interesting. I mean. Everybody has a Uranus opposition, 38 to 40, but not everyone has the Kundalini awareness or awakening, or they probably do, but why is that? Only some people, and but because everyone's having that configuration in their charts and most people don't feel it. Yeah. Right? Well, see, where I thought the tomatoes were going to be flying at me, I'm always thinking a book comes out and I'm going, who's going to throw the tomatoes? You know, I'm sure you felt the same way. <laughs> and I felt like Eastern meditators would be really, um, really uh, upset with me because if you think about it, Ellen, this book is positing that everybody gets Kundalini rising at your yes. Uranus opposition. Yes. Now, if you go into Eastern meditation and and uh asanas and, and breathing techniques and all that the idea always is that only some people will achieve it mm -hmm. so you'll get people in in yoga classes and all that and meditation classes who are like 25 or 30 35 years old or whatever and they're just not ready and so eastern meditators have developed i mean some not all this is generalization yeah. Because what did happen, to be truthful, is that when this book came out, um, lots of people working with Eastern techniques just loved this book. 
And if you really think about the real teachings in like India and Indonesia, different countries where there's a lot of Eastern um, theology, um, the teaching at the deepest level is that people, people should, until they're around 40 years old, it's very clear, until they're around 40 years old, they should have a family, have a business, and live an ordinary life. And if you get into the depths of the teachings, the time to go to the ashram and the time to go to the guru is when you're over 40. So this is actually in Eastern traditions. And so I think I, the way I describe this probably clarified a lot of things for people coming from Eastern traditions about the way it works in the West, because there is a big difference in Western and Eastern spirituality. There just is, even if you're a Westerner, you know, and you've adopted Eastern techniques, there's still a big difference. But why don't most people have an awareness? I mean, we, we do, cause we're on a spiritual path. We have that awakening. That's so we're, right. most people are not, and they may not even feel anything or, or something yeah. different. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, the one of the reasons I ended up working at Barron Company with Matthew Fox and then running Barron Company with my husband for 20 years was that I came into Barron Company as a medievalist, as an, as a, as a, you know, an expert. I don't have a degree in it, but I was, you know, like very proficient in Eastern, um, excuse me, in medieval um, mysticism, like Hildegard of Bingen and Meister Eckhart and Julian of Norwich, et cetera. And um, in medieval traditions, there's a very, very strong uh, like um, theology about um, spiritual awakening and consciousness awakening when people are, are, are mystics. So it actually, it actually did exist in Western culture, but the primary modus operandi of Western culture since the rise of the age of science in 15, 1600 AD, the primary modus operandi has been to act like energy isn't real, consciousness doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> all we are is a walking computer, right? That, that's all we are. And so it's really what Western culture has gone into a deep denial where fortunately Eastern cultures have maintained these traditions are uh, much better than the West has. Right. You know, if the West doesn't figure it out, you know, who's going to dominate on this planet ultimately? <laughs> it's great. It's great. So I have a question for you, Barbara. So, because it struck me. So everyone goes through this Uranus opposition, right? Right. But not everyone has the experience as Ellen's talking about, and you're bringing up the Western culture. It just seems to me like the midlife crisis in America could be like a, a menopause yeah. for women that that's difficult is all that repression of this energy that's like wants to go wild because we all have this activation that could happen right but in some of us we must be holding that back because it seems yeah, like it so, would yeah, there's no question um that life for a woman in the west from age 38 to 50 is pretty difficult pretty difficult a lot of marriages go on the rocks. A lot of people lose partners because menopause does get all mixed up with this. And so needless to say, understanding what menopause is and then understanding what Kundalini rising is, is, is part of, and I didn't, by the way, I didn't deal with that in the book because yeah. I, I just, 
just not an expert. But what I do know is so many women just get so mixed up at this point. So what makes it a little bit easier to understand this paradigm is to think of a tree and to think of yourself as a tree. And so what happens from age zero to age 29, 30, is we go through a series of Saturn cycles where we create the structure and the form of the tree. And we create the trunk and we create the roots and the branches are rising. And then, the next, so the first key passage in all of our lives is Saturn return. And just like Uranus opposition, everybody gets a Saturn return. And what happens at Saturn return is something is going on in our lives that is going to keep us from be able, being able to grow emotionally. Because the issues from age zero to age 30 were primarily structural, they're primarily basic physical growth. And so what happens at Saturn return is we have, an, we, have we, we all, literally not all, but I, I tried to get statistics and ha other astrologers have too. And I think that most astrologers would agree that 90% of people do their Saturn return. Now the question is, and I'll go back to that in a minute, what does that mean? Well, according to astrology, the more you are living out your transits, the, the more you're growing. And when you get clients, and I've had plenty of them, where I get into, okay, what was going on at age 29 or 30? And since 90% of them do something there, it's pretty easy to get through that one. Now, what do we mean? What do you do? Well, people will get a divorce. They'll have a child. They, they will um, start a major career or change, make a change in their career. They make some kind of really significant change in their basic life pattern so that they can start to grow emotionally. And then all the way through their 30s, people have made a change. And then what, what's happening is people are evolving emotionally. And so the Uranus opposition transit, the second key life passage, and there are all kinds of other transits here, but these are really the real basic ones. Um, with Uranus opposition, it's an emotional crisis that has to be resolved because the emotional crisis is gonna be in, in the way of the next level of growth. So that's the reason we call it midlife crisis. People go out and get bread convertibles. They, they dump their wife or, or the interesting thing about women at midlife crisis is a lot of them just have to just get away. A lot of, I had a lot of clients where I did a lot of counseling with their husband saying, just, just let her go. She has to go for four months, let her go because she'll be back. And women will come back, but women feel so, you know, tight and caught at the throat chakra level. Okay, so the emotional crisis gets resolved, hopefully, at Uranus opposition. So the question is, how many people are actually doing it at age 38 to 44? Um, and I have to say that it's a much smaller percentage. I, 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 I sometimes guess somewhere around 20 or 30%. And 30 years ago, I would have said more like 10% because the culture comes right down on you and no, you can't be crazy. And no, you can't, the woman can't leave, the man can't do whatever he's gonna do. Um, and so the point is, if you can get through the emotional crisis that goes on with midlife crisis, then the next transit is Chiron return. 
and Chiron returns, Chiron comes back to its um, birth position at age 51. And we're right on the verge, by the way, in a couple of years, we will have had the first Chiron cycle. Chiron's gonna come back to its first position since 1977 in 2026. Mm. And I'm gonna revise another book because of that. And Chiron is the healing energy, the healer, the, the wounded healer, and is that it? Yeah, Chiron, it, it, it's still very tied up with Uranus because back to Uranus for a minute, which is an emotional healing and an emotional evolution in a person so that the energy can go all the way through their consciousness. And so if a person changes a lot at Uranus opposition and, and you know, really evolves emotionally, then what happens to Chiron re return at age 51 is a spiritual awakening. And it's really beautiful um, because what happens is all of that emotional angst and all of that emotional blockage has been worked out. And then when Chiron returns to its birth position, it's like we have, a, you know, it's almost like Alan, it's like, you know, an infant, if you've had a chance to um, hold really small infants and the soul is still in the baby before the baby, you know, starts to mature more. Because right. I, I have four children and I, oh God, I love them when they're under three months because they're still angels and they're still in touch with spirit. Well, Chiron return is like that if a person has been able to make an emotional um, a transition. Wow. I've never heard anyone talk about astrology like that. It's sort of like the royal path of initiation. Yeah. You're, you're laying out there. Yeah, and back to the tree image, what's happened at that point is all of that emotional growth has, has taken those branches and the tree has gotten bigger and then all the leaves and flowers are reaching for the sky. And that's that, I call it chirotic energy um, because, I, because it's, all of this is very erotic because it's Kundalini, mm. you know, and all these transits are actually very erotic. That's the essence of what we are as, as beings is if we can allow, the, then I, that's why I love Larissa's music. Because if we could just let that, you know, her music is so gentle because Kundalini is not violent and it doesn't uh, break your neck and, and, and give you a heart attack if you can just work with it so that it can flow. And her music actually, I can see, assists in the flow of Kundalini. So mm -hmm. are, are all those returns then uh, another level of initiation when you have your Neptune return or your opposition and then your Pluto, of course, which. Oh, yeah. yeah, so we at the end of astrology, the rising of Kundalini, um, the, what I wanted to do in the beginning with liquid light of sex was to cover the three transits because that's fairly easy for people to understand. And then what in the latter part of the book, we, I start getting into what happens with Neptune squares and oppositions, what goes on with Pluto because they're equally intense and influential. But the tr those three transits are really kind of like the growth pattern development transits, you know? And then Pluto polishes you off. <laughs> and Neptune <laughs> takes your Chiron return further into spirit, you know? But so you can actually chart someone's Kundalini awakening experience then, in a sense, yeah. when it would happen and how it might happen and sort of how a person can deal with it. I'm thinking through the astrology. Yeah. Um, then 
in, in terms of a natal reading, then everybody's experience at each one of these key transits is going to be different because of the particular aspects of their chart. So for example, you know, so, so this is where the astrologers can really be a great counselor. So in my chart, I have Saturn and Uranus conjunct at the top of the 10th house mm -hmm. in a T-square with my, the nodes of the moon and Chiron is on my north node and my sun is on my south node. And so the reason I shook so much at Chiron return, excuse me, at Uranus opposition was because of that conjunction between Saturn and Uranus. So there's a bunch of people who have Saturn and Uranus conjunct in 1942 and 1943. And so then when an astrologer would counsel those people, they would immediately go to work on Saturn and Uranus. And as you know, in the last couple of years, we've been experiencing Saturn square Uranus. Last year, three exact squares of Saturn and Uranus. And then this year, even though there, there's no more exact squares, they're very close all year. And that's the reason we're living in the middle of a living hell. And then, yeah, and then it, it, I think that Saturn is very uncomfortable in Aquarius. Now, this is a strange thing to say, but my astrological background is astrodrama. That's where I really learned astrology. And in, in an astrodrama, we each we have a group of astrologers and each one of them plays a planet and we do a whole bunch of charts where we act out the planet we act out the sign we act out the house position and so for me astrology is really tactile and i'm an aquarian and i'm very familiar and comfortable with uranus and uranus is just simply uncomfortable in taurus and mm -hmm. Saturn is uncomfortable in Aquarius. And I think that's why the last two years have been so uncomfortable. Because I don't know about you, no matter what I do, I can't escape it. You know, I, ca I can't escape it. As soon as they finish with COVID, then we're going to do the Ukraine. And then next week, right. it's just constant because of the Saturn Uranus square. But also for us Aquarians, it's been also a lot of fun, Barbara. It's been a lot of activity, excitement, because the Iranian nature, we're looking for the new, we're looking for the unusual, the outside, the normal. So I have to say, I, I'm enjoying the transformation of the, of the world, right? Yes, yes I'm enjoying it too, but it's, di it's difficult to live in the middle of this environment um, because yes. being a Iranian, um, like in my case, I have to move. Um, I, got, I have to leave Canada because I can't, I won't be vaccinated and I can't cross borders. And mm -hmm. so if you watch people closely, lots of people are, they're moving here, they're moving there, they're yeah. doing that. So with Uranus, if you can, if you are in a position to move and change things, you're going to do okay. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who can't do it so easily, you know, and people are really suffering because they feel stuck and basically people feel stuck and tortured and wonder so what's coming next. You are right. You're very, very right about the energy of today, of the, these times and the Saturn energy. Thank God we have other energies coming in. But how long do you think the Saturn energy is going to be lasting that we need to learn to do? I mean, I think it's part of our grand initiation, too. But and I'm a Pisces. That's I think type. it's going to get better next year. Um, Rick Levine's, you know, he was the one who did the um, the transits for 2022 20, this year in the Mountain Astrologer. And 
he so, is so accurate. And he just said point blank, all the way through 2022, you're gonna be dealing with all the stuff that's connected to all of the changes and shifting energies of 2021. He nailed it. Yeah, so I yeah, I think once we're out of, and I haven't, you know, I, I start to see some really positive transits in 2024, 2025. But so I don't know whether it's going to be that much easier in 2023. I, I don't think so. But I don't think it's going to be as difficult as this has been. You know, I have a question though, Barbara. Um, you know, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, these are only discovered in the last couple of hundred years. And the the ancients, even though they were astrologers from ancient times, weren't aware of those influences. Is this because we are more evolved now in our emotional bodies as human beings or and that they just didn't feel those effects? I mean, that's my guess is that we're a little more complex human beings than they were a couple of hundred years ago. Well, I find a lot of evidence, that, particularly with Egyptians, that they knew all about Pluto and Uranus. And so there's issues of whether ancient sacred cultures um, knew a lot and that a lot of um, knowledge was lost. So what's important for us in our period of time is that whenever a planet is sighted, um, then the uh, psychological dynamics of that planet come in intensely into the human field. And so with Pluto in 1930, we had the rise of Nazism and in between two world wars and nuclear-ish, blah, blah, blah. And with Neptune, right when Neptune was sighted, suddenly we had mysticism and mesmerism and hypnosis. So, so what happens is the minute that planet is sighted, the dynamics of that planet start becoming an active part of our psychology. So then the next thing that happens is that particular planet that's been sighted goes through one whole cycle. So it took, um, it takes Pluto like 246 years to go through a cycle. Mm -hmm. And so we're only really at this point have integrated Pluto quite well. Neptune just finished um, getting back to its sighting position in 2011. So it's only been really since 2011, we've had a full cycle of Neptune. And then the interesting thing about Neptune that I think has been one of the most fascinating things we've all been living with is Neptune, when Neptune was sighted, it was in Aquarius. And so then as soon as it finished its whole orbit in uh, 2011, then it went into Pisces. Well, Pisces is the home sign of Neptune. So this has actually been a really wonderful thing that's been going on because mysticism and contact with other dimensions and awareness of multidimensionality has been growing exponentially within human consciousness, even though the culture is not reflecting it very much. I'm, I'm expecting us to have a huge Neptune explosion when Neptune goes into Aries, which is oh, an incredibly But they are more and more people are waking up to this kind of mm -hmm. mystical awareness. And, um, you know, along those lines, I wanted to just ask about my favorite subject, making contact. And someone said it is Uranian and there's some interesting transits happening in 2023 and 24 about mm -hmm. Uranus. Can you let us know what you think about that. Yeah, I ac actually, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at that. I, I, I uh, did look ahead to, into 2024 
2025 and 2026. And just so I'm just trying to think of, of a, a good example of uh, something that I spotted that just sort of knocked my stocks off. But if I don't have a card on this one, I'm not going to get it. But that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but we are, I do think, coming into a renaissance. I, I really, really think that that's happening. And, and I'm looking forward to that. What, what's that configuration? The Uranian thing that will bring a renaissance? The Uranian? See, that's what I was trying to remember. There's a big transit in 2027, but that's, I don't have a card on it. And it's, not, not, but it's okay. It's what your feeling is. And I feel that too. The renaissance will be in, in technology and biology and, and just the medicine. fact that, and we're not alone in the universe. I mean, yeah, that's, I think, I think personally, and you probably do too. I think that the big jump is going to come when people are in touch with other dimensions and beings in other dimensions. And right now there's a big struggle going on to kind of use it for fear or manipulate it to get something out of it or whatever. And so what matters for each one of us individually is to maintain that contact ourselves. I've but, never asked more than I have during the last two years in my case, to the Pleiadians for more fusion and more entry of Pleiadian love and energy um, in our in our world. Right. And you're very connected. You wrote the Pleiadian agenda. Barbara's very connected to Pleiadian energy and they are helping, huh? Yeah, they are, especially with children, mm -hmm. um, because they, they really, really care about the children. And we have a lot of children who are suffering on this planet, and it really helps me to know that the Pleiadians are helping them. Helps us all to know, frankly, because I think it's going to take miracles to clean up the planet. But you know, from this oh, yeah. from this pure three D world, it's 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 going to take miracles, which yeah. come from above down. Yeah. So. Any other things you'd like to leave us with? First of all, well, I just want to ask one question from the chat about climate change and all the things happening to the earth and, you know, are ignoring this earth mother we've been on. What do you see? Well, first of all, we're in the middle of a cycle and climate change and the way it's being dealt with by the government and based on the Al Gore hypothesis, et cetera, has been used for the last 20 or 30 years as a tool of manipulation to take people's money and tax dollars, et cetera. And so when it comes to climate change, we've got to start to realize that we're in the middle of a cycle. And when we're in the middle of a cycle with nature, we have to adjust to that cycle. Now, I'm not gonna downplay what I think each one of us should be doing. Um, and I think that all of us are gonna have to do more than we can really imagine to help our environment and to help the earth. But unfortunately, governments and globalism are basically in charge of the dynamic. Now I'm seeing some positive things happening lately where, okay, my point of view is what the government should be doing is helping people and helping people adjust and helping economies adjust. And of course, cutting down pollution, et cetera. But um, when the government starts creating businesses like carbon credits in order to manipulate people's realities, I've got real problems with that, but I'm seeing some signs that more of the public money is going more toward helping people who are in the middle, middle of difficulty and disasters. So uh, 
it's an endless topic, Ellen, you know. No, I know, and it's ongoing, and it's, 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 but Uranus is really, I think, our key to the Renaissance that's coming, isn't it? Um, I, I do, I do think that's true, and I think the more we can open ourselves up to all these other beings and all these other dimensions, then we're going to have a free flow of energy from in, with different levels. And then we're gonna to start to have the technologies we need and the energy um, devices that we need in order to handle some of this. Right. So one more question. And, and it, it, then because Uranus is so key in Kundalini and it's so key at the time now, would you say that it's a sort of Kundalini awakening for the earth itself, the Iranian energies that are now much more available? Because I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think there's a universal awakening going on. So right. then, if people don't know what's going on with energy, then they have they, they have a very hard time. It's a secret resistance that's happening through the planetary configuration here. And yeah. the activations you're telling us that's really encoded in our planetary alignment to wake us up. Yeah, right. So yeah. That's, that's kind of my takeaway is that my gosh, there are all these different cycles that are really designed to awaken us when we're ready to have that. And then it's difficult if we don't awaken at that time, because it can still cause chaos right in our life. Yeah, that's right. So another key for astrology. You mentioned um, um, Rick Levine, and I want to tell everyone he's going to also be one of our panelists for the seven week series that Shima's putting on. Yeah, so we knew that. that's a great astrologer. Right. And so oh, yeah. you're a great astrologer, so it'd be great. Oh. I just want everyone to know about that. Yeah. How, how can people find you, Barbara? Um, basically, they can't. <laughs> I've written, like, example, I'm sorry, but speaking of climate, speaking of climate change, um, if people want to really know what I think about climate change and cycles, they need to read Catastrophobia, which is used to be, th th that book used to be called Catastrophobia, and now it's called Awakening the Planetary Mind. Mm -hmm. And um, because to tell you the truth, understanding cycles is, is a big deal in, in terms of being more comfortable with what's happening to us. And the best way to understand cycles is with astrology. Right, because it's all about that. So what could you then um, leave us with, just so, I mean, as far as the conference here, the Kundalini and, you know, how to be more uh, aware of, of these cycles. I mean, what can each of us do? Um, fortunately, Alan, this basic paradigm that's in astrology and the rising of Kundalini really does it. And in this, in terms of people nailing what's happening to them and to their friends and children, et cetera. So, so fortunately, a lot of therapists use it. It's really, the, uh, the, 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 the paradigm in the book has really gotten around. Mm -hmm. um, midlife crisis, for example, is a good example of that. And people all know about Saturn return. And so gradually these things are seeping into the culture and, and other people are writing about it and it's happening. Right, right. And, uh, and you're the author of how many books have you, nonfiction and fiction? Uh, about 15, I think, something like but that. Very important, the Pleiadian uh, agenda. The, the, I, I think I have the liquid light of sex and, and this last three trilogies of the Revelation trilogies and... Yeah. Um, Thank you, Barbara, for your time and patience and, you know, holding the torch for everyone since, well, since I met you in the 1980s, you know, you've been, you've been a light. I'm a granny, okay? <laughs> no, but you have. Canadian you, granny. 
<laughs> yeah, but you've no. helped people. I mean, because your contribution to the spiritual culture that's emerging is what people need as as a way shower into this culture that me and Joan and Neil and everyone who spoke here is is trying to build. Yeah, and you too, Alan. Yeah, making Thank making you. contact is fabulous. Um, Thank you. It's just fantastic. I, yeah. I, I actually have a series. Thanks for the little plug. I'll show people. I actually have a series of videos coming up, okay. um, which is my making contact series. And I'll just um, show it was that. Mind it, I, I was on it the other night. I called Alan. I told him how fantastic it was. And I called Deborah to tell her too, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you for that. So it was really yeah. a good conference. It this is great, Barbara. It wasn't a conference. It was it was just the the launch of your seven week intense. Five, yeah. five okay. Five weeks. It, seven weeks. It, five weeks. it seems like seven weeks. But here I just have this um flyer here. I'll just show people now that we brought that up. Yeah. On the um And thank the... you too, Joan, by the way, for all the work you're doing. I'm so happy to to be on here with you. I'm I just I like to listen. I really kind of like to see the big picture of it. And you're giving us a lot of feedback about how our own chart, we have our own personal blueprint for our own Kundalini rising. Yeah. Whether or not we've done it or not, it's still probably right in there. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. So I find I'm just, it fascinating. I'm just gonna show this. Make This is the Making Contact series, Barbara, five parts. Mm -hmm. We just did part one. And you could, oh, cool. say, if you're interested, was part two is with Danny Sheehan and Stephen Bassett. Uh, and part three, Carolyn Corey. Part four, Linda Moulton Howe oh, and Whitley Strieber. So, I mean, it's a little off the topic, but I think as a collective consciousness, the Earth's awakening as a being is about connecting with other other beings, other planets. I, I mean, don't think we're going to make it if we don't do it. If we don't do what exactly? If we don't, if we don't merge with the other dimensions and the other beings and intelligences in the other realms, like so many of the people right here are doing, we're not going to make it. We can't. Right. We can't. We obviously can't do it alone. Alone, because look at what's going on right now. It is the miracles. We need all that help. We have another question for you, which is which is just about this. Um, that the, you said that the Pleiadians are wanting to help children. So how can we help the Pleiadians help the children? In what way? Um, it would help if we started getting rid of the um, the slavery networks, you know, and that people are really working on that. A lot of children are enslaved at this point, um, sexual slaves, and. So um, a lot of work is being done in that area and there's a lot of things that are breaking through. It's just that, just like in my trilogy, my trilogy is about um, a, a, a priestly sexual abuse in the Catholic church. And uh, that's the background material and then everything else goes into a whole lot of other things. But what happens is people don't wanna believe that it's real. They don't wanna believe that the priest would do something like that. They don't want to believe that someone would abuse a small child, but people, it's every person who wakes up and faces the truth. That's what's going to change it. These people operate in secrecy and they're not going to be able to get away with these things if people will just own up to what's going on. And pull that, that authoritarian male energy out of your voice, out of your throat chakra. <clears throat> and there's a disconnect for most people that an, an outer authority could do those things, to, you know, yeah. whether, I mean, we can discuss it, but we're not, but, you know, people, 
it takes a long time for them to get exactly what you're saying, Barbara. Yeah, I know it does. And I, you know, I was abused as a very small child. And so I've been all the way through this whole thing. And the only way to deal with any of this stuff is to get honest about what's going on. Right. So I, my background's a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. So I believe my entire life, health comes from inside out, period. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. convince me. So I loved what you were talking about, how we even carry this in our necks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can constrict. And, and in chiropractic, we have a way of turning on your energy to connect to infinite intelligence mm-hmm. through adjusting your atlas. So yeah. it's all about this connection and all these tools. Absolutely. I think um, it seems like things are being revealed, even though we had um, these Senate, these congressional hearings that covered up more of the truth. I think as we move into more Aquarian energies, right, because we are moving into that age, the trauma of all that abuse and the cover-ups and the lies and all the things that haven't been seen. I think it will be revealed in this next age. Isn't that part of the cycles? I think so. I think that has a lot to do with the age of Aquarius. And of course, we're in it heavy now. We are. We're really in the age of Aquarius now. So that's another reason it's so difficult because people are having so much trouble adjusting. But we'll adjust. We will. Yeah. Your wisdom is going to be very appreciated in a few weeks when we get to see you on our on our seven you know our astrology series. I have to say that I want to keep pushing that because yeah. I'm I, I want people to be aware of it because as I'm listening to you, I had not thought of astrology and Kundalini as connected, yeah. and so I'm thinking a lot of people. It's about really finding all these ways to to open up and grow. So yeah. it's a perfect time for our today's crazy planet. And, and you know, Joan, you ask about how could people find me and all that. Well, first of all, it's called go to the bookstore. And <laughs> and then secondly, I have a website. It's handplow2012.com. That's right. I have it actually yeah. written. Down. Yeah, I have a website and uh, and it, you know, there's a lot of information on the website. And I post, like I'll post this. I post a lot of stuff. Oh, thank you. And Shima, who's on your panel, says the trilogy is amazing. Or oh, she says amazing. So that's, that's and it's a- starting to succeed, Ellen. Oh, good. Yeah, oh, source, good. source, the revelations from the source um, is, is people really like it. And then they're starting to, to get into the whole trilogy. So it seems to be succeeding. Just took a long time. Well, congratulations, because I know how hard you worked on that. It was like, yeah. a, it was like yeah. a 10-year plan from the first tri- part of the trilogy. 